Insurance is form a vital part of any good financial plan. So on today's episode of the Wealth Collective podcast, we're going to delve in what is the be- into what is the best structure to hold those insurances in and whether that's super, outside of super, or a mixture of both. So stay tuned to find out the answer. Everything we talk about on today's podcast is general advice only because we don't know your individual personal situation. Before you act on anything we've spoken about, you should chat to your financial advisor. And if you don't have one, feel free to reach out to us. Now, on to today's show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Wealth Collective podcast. It's Pete Pennycott here, and I'm joined by my co-host, Zach Masters. Hey, Pete. How are you going? Traveling really well, Zach. How's uh, things out your way? We were attempting to record this on video. Um, (laughs) Things got very, very dark very, very quickly where I am. So um, short of looking like a ghost story, we've uh, opted for the audio audio only version of this so appreciate your patience <laughs> no it's um it's starting to bucket down here so if you start to hear some strange noises in the background it's because where i'm at at the moment is kind of um, like a shed so with the tin roof um yeah. on it, it's like a house shed so it's um not great for acoustics um, necessarily we'll work with what we've got the main That's thing it. is bringing really relevant information quick short sharp and snappy um still in lockdown at least where we are so mm. Uh, you know, Dan Andrews, very, very stern, not letting people loose just yet. But a few of the other states and territories are starting to loosen the uh, the restrictions. Uh, almost, you know, not seeing that globally as much yet. But um, yeah, interesting to see that. Like this may we may be sort of um, you know gradually sort of edging back towards some level of normalcy. Yeah, it's definitely looking that way. So hopefully, it's um, sooner rather than later that we can start to get back to getting out. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to getting to see everyone and um, trying to get some back to some form of normalcy, as you said. Right. I'll tell you what, I'm going stir crazy. So I think <laughs> I'm going to, I don't know if I'll be like, like like they're doing in New Zealand where they're all rushing out to get into a KFC drive-thru, but um, <laughs> there's a few things I'll be ticking off the list. And I think um, the local watering hole will uh, be getting a, a visit from uh, myself and a few mates as well, just to catch up and, yeah, not, not that I've uh, been refraining from doing it um, in isolation and a, a via a few uh, video sessions. But, mm. yeah, something nice about the tangible face-to-face interaction. Definitely, but definitely. what we want to talk about today is, you know, superannuation has been in the headlines quite a bit um, recently. So, and I know we've covered this off and sort of early access to super, people's super balances, should you be, you know, changing it. Um, but I think the forgotten part of this uh, piece is, insurance within super so majority of australians have some form of insurance within their super funds um so what i wanted to pick your brain with because this is your you're a subject matter expert on all things personal insurance i wanted to pick your brain today zach on just comparing the options of having insurance owned via your super fund or owned via a super fund Mm -hmm. versus having it owned personally Uh, i don't want you to go into all the technical stuff about trusts and companies and you know uh, those sort of things so if we can just keep it between those two because i think it's you know something that's been missing in the conversation because you know you were drawing money from your super and making changes could ultimately impact uh, the funding mechanism for if you do have insurance through super like most australians yeah and not only that especially with the new rules that came come in um, of july 1st last year you know potentially if you're out of work for the foreseeable future your account might be made an inactive account um, now, which might mean that your um, 
insurances inside of super might get cancelled as well. So that's something to to look at yeah. too. Yeah, well, those protect your super uh, legislation changes that came in last year. Mm. I think the big thing with that is make sure you, yeah, your address or your email address at least is up to date with your super fund because they might be corresponding with you. And you're right if you, you know, if you're not working and you haven't got contributions going in. You may actually be finding okay. You can opt in though, can't you? So is that that's correct. You, yeah, you, you can opt in. Have to have yeah. So, but you need to know that you, you need to proactively go and do it. Um, yeah, which is the the hard thing is a lot of people um, may not even be aware that they've got insurances inside of Super or know yeah. that this this new rules in place. And especially as you said, if you still got um, which is a common, you've moved house or something like that, and. Um, you've updated your email address and you're in your superannuation sending your letters to an old ha- address or um, something like that you're potentially not getting those communications so you your insurance could potentially be cancelled without you knowing about it yeah now big one so that's all right. we're coming in hot that's a that's a gold tip right off the bat so fantastic stuff so uh, insurance in super um, really really common so I know there was a uh, Rice Warner study showing like you know seventy one percent of all death comes actually owned by superannuation. And the surprising one was fifty nine percent of all income protection cover um, was owned via superannuation. So mm. I think these stats these were sort of before the protective super legislation was rolled out. So I do think these would probably come down a little bit um, now that the pets, a lot of people who weren't contributing have possibly sort of lost their default cover. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think really importantly let's have a look at i guess what types of insurance can you hold within superannuation so out of the the suite of different insurance solutions are there particular ones that you can have through superannuation some you can't yeah so we're talking about for today's um purposes we're talking about personal insurances which are life insurance total and permanent disablement trauma and income protection now out of those four um the only one that can't be held inside super is trauma um, because if you were to suffer a trauma payout, it might meet a condition of release from the super fund. So um, no longer can you hold trauma inside super, but the other three, um, you definitely can. Um, and it becomes important, like personal insurances are a vital part of any good financial plan. They're often um, overlooked because they're not the, the sexy part, but they're, they're just as important as you know your investment plan or anything like that because they're there to protect you and your family if something goes wrong. So you need to make sure that you get the right structure um, for how your insurances are held because it's going to hopefully be a long-term policy um, and something you have in place for quite a while. So you need to make sure that you get it right. Yeah, absolutely. And, it can, and having the right structure can make all the difference about how much money ultimately lands in the hands of your beneficiary. So hopefully what, what we'll do, I think for today, just so we keep things on track because we do have the habit of running off on tangents, uh, we'll break it into three main categories. So the things I, I think are really, really key if people do nothing else and they're assessing their, their insurance within super and insurance personally, underwriting, so understanding what the underwriting conditions are, so how you get assessed to actually get the cover, uh, taxation, so both on like is it deductible versus non-deductible, and also like tax on the benefit. So, you know what you're in, what the sum insured you insured for, is that what actually lands in the hands of your beneficiaries? Um, and the other one is definitions, which I think we might save that one for last because that could we could go down a few different rabbit holes with that one. Yep. Um, so if we can do that, look, let's kick it off with underwriting. So how is there a difference for people getting underwritten for a insurance policy within super versus 
retail, um, and by retail, sort of you're proactively going out and seeking it from, you know, uh, like an, an insurance company. You're going through that process um, and actually securing that yourself. Yeah, and before we get started, it's important to probably note that um, the retail policies can still be paid for via super. Um, so for this, for the underwriting um, portion of this episode, we're talking about industry super fund, what's called group cover or the type of default cover that you get. Um, but retail cover can also be paid for via super and owned via super. Um, so that's an important one that people often sometimes get confused about is there are other options than what you have inside super and still getting it paid via super. Um, yes. So that's something to look at. But when you join an industry fund, you most likely get given default cover or some of those rules changed um, last year as we spoke about. Um, but this is given to you without any underwriting. So underwriting means that you go through and answer a series of medical questions uh, an insurance company will then decide whether they accept you at either standard rates with a loading or exclusion or they may choose to decline the cover if they feel the risk is too much. Um, if you go to get a retail policy, you'll definitely, with most, well, most insurers, you're going to have to go through quite rigorous medical underwriting. The reasons for that is they try and get everything out at that stage. So they'll ask you, you know, when did you last go to the doctor, uh, family history, different things like that. Um, and then they'll assess it going, all right, is this person's risk um, good enough to have on our books or is it an unacceptable risk to take on? Uh, yeah, and, that, and that's not, should not anything that you should be fearing. So, you, you know, you need to answer this, uh, yeah, truthfully. Um, but it is, it's a personal statement so they can, yeah, know what risk they're taking on up front um, so that when you actually go to claim, you're going to, you know, you're going to have like, a much better um, chance they're actually going to get paid because they've done all the hard questioning. Whereas a lot of these covers, I think the ones that say, oh, no, I'm, you don't have to do any underwriting and straight through processing, well, probably you're going to cop it on the when you actually go to claim when you need the money most and you sort of have the least time sort of an energy available to actually go through the, uh, the rigmarole of getting in all those details. Yeah, because there are some that have pre-existing condition clauses and different things like that within them. Um, but by all means, like if you... Um, might struggle to get retail cover due to an existing illness or medical condition, then potentially there's some default cover that might be um, beneficial for you. But for yeah, most it'd people, be great because it happens a lot. Like you, yeah. and you want to, and you, you need to look at all options because the main thing is get get cover. Yeah, because it's so important to protect you yourself, protect your assets, protect your family. Um, and if you if you fail the medical um, question, like questionnaire and sort of you can't get through underwriting, well, you need to explore other options. And if you're a part of a big firm or you might sort of um, be part of a, an industry fund, if they do offer default cover, um, you just need to sort of make sure you're reading through the terms so you know what you're paying for and know what you're signing up for. Mm. But that would be a great way to sort of at least know you've got a base level of protection that might be the difference between you, you know, maintaining your financial independence and not if yeah. something if you do suffer a sort of insurable event definitely um definitely yeah it's very important that that getting that default cover is much much better than having nothing at all so it's important to get get that in place but if, if you are fit and healthy um then going through underwriting in a retail policy can be quite beneficial come claim time as you as you previously mentioned i like it so underwriting Assess it if you can get if you if you are able to get through sort of the medical underwriting, give it a crack um, because you're potentially going to secure a better policy if you can. Yeah. Taxation is an interesting one. So, insurances, 
people often forget the tax implications of that. So what we want to have a look at is funding it through super. So if you're putting it through super, obviously you might be eroding your retirement savings. Mm. But is it tax deductible? Is, it, is there a different sort of way that you're assessing it? Um, how does the ATO look at sort of insurance premiums inside super versus outside? Yeah, so in terms of paying for your premiums via super, there if you're paying it via a rollover, um, you'll get the rollover rebate, which is 15%. So already then your your premiums are essentially 15% less than if you were to pay it for pay it outside of super on your life and TPD. Um, that's something to look at. A lot of other people might decide to, they hold it inside super, then do a contribution to super. Um, and therefore, they save tax that way as well by making a concessional contribution to cover their insurance premiums. Um, that's another way that people look at it. With income protection, it becomes a little more complicated because income protection, when held outside and paid via cash flow, is tax deductible. So this can mean that for those people on the highest marginal tax rate, they're potentially getting 45% back at tax time, um, which usually turns out to be a far better result than having it paid for via super overall. Uh, yeah, I definitely. I'm a big proponent. If you can afford to, definitely pay in. You know, majority of situations, you should be really looking to. You know, the first point of assessment should be to try and fund it from your personal cash flow. Uh, if you've got a deductible expense, you know, you don't want to be sort of ro- you know robbing your future self by sort of. And you're just talking about income super. protection here, by the way. So yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's right. So definitely, like that that deductible expense, you want to have out there if you possibly can. Um, but I do, you know, the main thing is get the cover. So if you can't, if it doesn't fit in your cash flow, super linking the policy or sort of splitting that cost across yourself personally in super, I, I, I can get around that idea. Yeah, and I think that's why a lot of people have hold their life insurance and TPD inside super because usually it makes sense from a premium perspective. Um, but on the flip side of that, when, what you might be saving in premiums, you might be potentially causing yourself an issue down the track because you've got to look at who your beneficiaries are for the policy. Because um, if it's held inside super, it's there. The policy is obviously then subject to the taxation rules of of paying a beneficiary out um, in the superannuation landscape. So, do you want to run through kind of what the potential consequences could be there, Pete? Yeah. So, like taxable component within superannuation is taxed at fifteen percent. So um, that benefit depending on who it's going to. So if it's a spouse or a, a minor child, well, that's okay. You're going you're gonna to satisfy the superannuation dependent definition. The benefit's going to be received tax-free. So that's fine. And that's generally, like, to be honest, it's probably, you know, most majority of policies that um, are written are probably sort of going to the spouse or young children potentially. So where it gets a bit more complicated and a bit more grey, well, what if it doesn't land in the hands of that group or a superannuation dependent and it lands in the hands of an adult child? And that could not be the first point of call that you intended, but might be where both, you know, both um, members of a, uh, like your spouse and yourself, um, you know, deceased together. Then if it goes to an adult child, well, okay, that if from a million dollars, you might be losing, you know, in excess of $150,000 in tax. Potentially. So make sure you are getting advice, really assessing the implications of that and the ramifications because it might be okay. So it, it might still be the plan, but you you need to make that decision um, proactively mm. and know what you're getting into because you might have to gross up your insured amount to yeah, make sure that, was, that the right amount lands with. That was what I was going to mention is that a lot of people often just decide to gross up the amount to cover the tax 
potential yeah. tax consequences. And that's that's very common within business insurance. So you generally yeah. gross it up to sort of, you, you know the tax is, is there, so then you gross it up to sort of account for that. Definitely. Uh, I think that pretty much covers off most of the tax points, unless you had anything else to add on that? No, well, the only thing I'd say is with the deduction, like the 15% within super, mm. You can actually boost your super balance by making concessional contributions up to your concessional contribution cap. So you do have that $25,000 per annum. So if you are deciding to fund it through super, maybe you should sort of stop the erosion of your retirement savings and sort of make sure your superannuation is not bearing an unfair load um, and can still grow. You might actually salary sacrifice or make personal deductible contributions or any type of concessional contribution to try and make the most of it so that's a that's an assessment you might make of going well hang on this this actually there's a twofold benefit that i'm getting cover making super contributions and not um, eroding my superannuation balance to fund it so that would probably be the one thing from a little bit of a uh, bit of a segue from the pure tax discussion but definitely explore and sort of make sure you're sort of aware of your superannuation caps um, and also you've got the yeah you, know, um, you can sort of do those catch-up contributions as well so Depending on what age you are, insurance premiums can get quite um, significant. Um, if you are sort of, you know, if you have a large debt and you've sort of got a big mortgage, you've got, you know, a young family that are going through, you know, um, schooling and you're going to need to sort of give them peace of mind and security for, you know, several, a uh, couple of decades, then you're going to need a significant amount of cover. So you want to make sure you're aware of your caps and sort of um, taking that into account to make sure you're getting the best net outcome for yourself from a cash flow perspective. Yeah, definitely. Because that's where holding life and TPD inside super and then boosting it through a concessional contribution, that can usually sometimes have the best um, net outcome, as you said. Yeah, absolutely. So definitions. So this is the big one because this is what stands in between you and getting paid. Yeah, so... Yeah, so arguably, yeah. arguably the most important part of a life insurance policy or any insurance policy, sorry, is the definitions, I think. Because and where, where do you find these definitions before you go off? Because I know you're going to sort of go uh, red hot on this one. So <laughs> what is, can you find the definitions or are they hidden away so far that you can't actually get a hold of them? Like, how, do, how does someone actually know what they're covered for? Yeah, so it's usually checking the PDS. So the product disclosure statement will have um, all the information about how the claims are assessed and... Um, what their definitions are. So it's always important that you check the PDS. Um, I think we, we speak about this on a lot of episodes, um, but read through the PDS and see what your policy actually states and what it actually um, has in there and what benefits it has because there is, as we'll go through, there's a few differences and a few main differences between um, a lot of super and non-super policies. So it's important to know what you've got. Yeah, and I think like, these are pretty readily accessible. So all the big um, superannuation funds have them there. All the retail insurers have them on their site. Mm. I would re- I, I would recommend reading the current one on their website. And if you're not sure if you're covered under a current policy, because sometimes you can find that you've got a, a legacy policy that's not actually the, the current version that they're selling to the open market. So yeah. um, I know it's tough to get through to a lot of the super funds at the moment, but you know, pick up the phone if you're not sure if, or if you're statement you've got in the mail doesn't really like match the pds like it, it just it reads differently or the, the the type of policy doesn't have the same title as yours just give them a call because you want to make sure you you know what you're covered for because you don't want to be paying for stuff that you know is a waste of money you want to make sure you've got the best policy for you on it and that it's fit for purpose so 
um, make sure you read, 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 read the PDF uh, to make sure you know what you're covered for. And if you're not sure uh, from a claim perspective, you, you, you are better off actually going through the process and you know, submitting a claim or having a chat to the, someone in that insurance company to make that assessment. Don't you be the, don't you try and be the claims assessor. That's not your job. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we might start by talking about the life insurance. So in terms of definitions for life insurance between super and outside super, there's really not much difference. Life insurance is fairly simple. Um, it pays out upon your death or if you were terminally ill with less than 12 months to live for most insurers. And uh, I might get you there, Zach. So some of some companies are stretching out that terminal illness definition, aren't they? That's There are some that are going to, you know, you might have 24 months or 18 months. So again, case-by-case case scenario, isn't it? Like it's not... not and everything's not set in stone, so these are constantly getting updated. And yeah, so it's definitions improved. However, there, yeah, most retail. I looked. Uh, I was doing some research into this the other week, but mo- so most retail policies are still at the twelve months, um, and same with the super providers. Um, so there might be a couple out there that are extending that, but majority of them still at the moment are at that twelve month mark. Um, Good to know for terminal illness. Um, so that's a, a one, but I, I still think that there, in terms of between the three covers that you can have between. Um, super and outside of super life insurance is the one where the definitions are probably the most simple um, yeah. and there's not a huge amount of defin- of difference either way okay good to know so total and permanent disability or TPD cover yeah so <clears throat> differences so any occupation own occupation homemaker definitions are probably the common ones um do these vary? Like, how do you approach this from a super versus non-super um, ownership? Yeah. So inside super, um, you are more restricted from a TPD definition point because you can only have um, a homemaker or non-working, or an any occupation definition. So the any occupation. So the big debate with TPD is the any versus own occupation. Um, so any occupation is you can claim if you're permanently disabled and cannot work in any occupation you are suited to by education, training, or experience. Whereas own occupation is you can claim if you're unable to work in your usual occupation or your chosen field of employment. Um, So obviously, the any occupation definition is far broader in terms of what you might still be able to do. And therefore, your chance of claim on an any occupation is less than what it is on an own occupation. But own occupation cannot be held within super. Um, So that's an important thing for people to think about is going, all right, if it is really important for me to have an own occupation, maybe I need to fund my TPD from outside of super um, or what a lot of insurers are doing at the moment is what's called, you mentioned it um, briefly before, a super linked policy. So that's where majority of your premiums are still paid for via super. You pay for a little bit out of your own personal cash flow and then get that own occupation definition without having to pay the full premiums outside. Um, so that can be a really good way of still getting that 15% rollover rebate um, for majority of the premiums, but getting that better definition as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because it broadens your coverage, spreads a load of that cash flow. So um, definitely, if you if you find you can't make it work, that's definitely something to explore. So income protection or salary continuance. Um, diff- this is probably the bit where definitions can vary quite significantly, um, and this is the one where you really need to. Not if you're not a person that reads PDSs, get over it because this is. To read your PDS um, because it's really clear on 
because it is a temporary state, so it's like you're not able to work for a, um, a defined period, mm. um, really, really key one to understand. So do you want to run through like how you're assessed to be, because it is still the term disabled uh, is, is used. Yep. So how do they assess that differently, super versus non-super, or are they the same? No, so they're not the same. So income protection is where the different differences can um, differ greatly in terms of what your definitions are. Um, and this is why we're quite strong on making sure you have some portion of your policy paid for outside or you have an outside um, or personally owned super income protection policy. Um, because what the definition that the superannuation owned policies use is what's called a duties definition. So that says you can claim a benefit if you become unable to perform one or more income duties due to sickness or injury. Um, what they also have on there is that you're un... So this means you're unable to um, continue doing your duties at work um, or able to earn any income yeah. during that. And you period. don't need... To, and there's, there's three tiers and you don't need to... You just need to fail one of them, don't you, to get... So that, like to satisfy eligibility for claims for a lot of the retail providers. Yeah, so the the other retail providers, they have the duties definition, but they also have an hours work test or an hours definition, which means you can claim the benefit if you're unable to work your usual hours. So if you think about you might be suffering some form of illness or um, injury that's been keeping you off work, but you're still able to do maybe 10 hours a week. Um, a retail policy will normally, if it's a, if it's a good one, um, will be able to top you up for that. Um, extra time that you're not being able to work. What happens if I, know I don't? I only roll up to the office for ten hours a week. Then it's a, it's a worry. <laughs> that doesn't work. Ah. Uh, but like a good quality policy will provide for this, whereas a super policy will go, "Oh no, you can work. We're not paying you at all. Um, there's no room for yeah. leeway there." That, that, that's one of the. That's one of my bugbears with insurance. Like the the main aim should be to try and rehabilitate you to get back to work, mm. and yet. They make it so black and white where you either don't work at all, like you're so so ill you cannot work or you're so injured so you, you're eligible for claim or the moment you're, you're gradually sort of working back towards getting back to full strength, okay, no, you're not, you're not off claim. So then there's this incentive for people to remain on claim longer, which doesn't make any sense to me. So I think the more progressive insurers, the ones with the best definitions are looking beyond that to try and go, hang on. Let's let them ease back into it and make sure they're still getting their income protection payment, that monthly benefit, while they're sort of building up their sort of working hours. Yeah, and it, yeah, as you said, it, it means that a lot of people are going, oh, you know what, I'm not going to go back to work for a few hours a week because then I'll lose my income protection claim. Um, so it stops them getting back and stops them rehabilitating sooner. Um, the other one that is important to note is we saw this, that's the two definitions. The third one is a loss of income test that a retail policy will have as well. So this means if due to sickness or injury, your income's dropped by 20% or more, you can claim a benefit as well. Um, okay. So this is particularly good for those who are paid on commissions or potentially self-employed. Um, they might still be able to perform their duties and work 40 hours a week, but their volume of work might have been diminished because they've been off sick or different things like that. They're commissions might then be down um, therefore their income's dropped so you can claim for that as well whereas a, a super owned policy will not have that in it either yeah um, and and these are the it's so important like if you're self-employed you need to go out and source a fit like a, the best possible policy because it's going to be really hard to stop you from actually fronting up and going to work because you love it like going yep. um as much as like there's all those you see all those 
things on, you know, it used to be on a current affair and those things with people dodging and putting in crazy claims. Most people actually want to work. Yeah. Um, like, and they want to participate. They want to be active. And if you're self-employed, even more so, like is your, you put your blood, sweat and tears into this um, business yeah. and this, um, like your, the craft that you've sort of dedicated yourself to. It's going to be super hard to stop you from either rolling up, but at least if you can front up and do some work or, and maybe you go, there might be an offset clause with some of these where you can, it's going to be, okay, well, you, you're back, you're doing sort of 50%. We're going to dial back your income protection benefit 50%. The main thing is trying to get you to your, some somewhere, something resembling your pre-disability income. That's mm. the main thing. Whether it's all coming from you, all coming from the insurance company or a mix of both, uh, I think is less important. And you want an insurer that's going to help you rehabilitate and get back to work and get back to full health as quickly as possible. So um, this is one I'm, I'm big on and super strong on where make sure you're sort of getting the best possible income protection policy because, um, yeah, it might say income protection, but, uh, yeah, um, devil's in the details. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's like the, the income protection one, there's a big difference between potentially getting a claim and not um, between a super and, and non-super policy. And there's yeah. um, a more, the recent, the last two years, um, super linking's been available for income protection as well. So there's still options and each insurer um, works out the, the percentages a little differently. But if um, cash flow is really tight, super can still pick up the, the tab for most of it. Um, mm. And you just pay a small portion. Um, like I know TAL and AIA, for instance, it's about 10% yeah. um, outside of super. Um, so you still get those better definitions, but you're not paying for. Or it's not a, a massive hit on cash flow. Yeah, I, I, I like that. And then I think the other things to take into account are, like, and these are not sort of def definitions necessarily. But like mm. you're looking at, yeah, you know, stepped versus level as a structure as well. And some of these, sometimes you can, you need to know, is my insurance that the sum insured locked in? Um, how are they assessing my benefits? So is it something as I get older that it gets smaller and smaller and smaller? Um, does my premium keep going up as I get older? Um, so they're the sort of other definitions you need to sort of be pulling back and making sure you're making the decision that's right for you. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Make sure you speak to a professional, sit down and, and decipher through all the information and, and pick the one that's going to suit you. And most importantly, the one that's going to give you the best chance of, of getting a successful claim. Yeah, and don't focus so much on costs. Like you want the you want a balance. It's got to be good value. So I think from a recap perspective, like underwriting, um, you know, don't sort of don't look a gift horse in the mouth at default cover. Like it may don't sort of um, overlook it. But if you can get really good cover, maybe go through the exercise because you might find that you get a, a, a superior policy with superior definitions that gives you a better chance to claim. Yeah. Um, I know we spoke about taxation as well. So. Yeah, make sure you're looking at both ends. So don't just like chase the tax deduction. Have a look at how, you know, am I going to lose benefit? Is there tax payable on the benefit that's ultimately going to be paid to me? Yeah. A big nice thing to know is you do get tax on the income protection benefit. Mm -hmm. uh, they're almost like your employer when you're not working. Yep. Um, and then the other one was those definitions. So the devil is in the detail. Read your PDS um, because they do vary from insurer to insurer. Uh, and if you're not sure, pick up the phone, speak to your advisor, speak to the insurance company, speak to your super fund um, and get the information because, you know, this is not a um, inexpensive 
decision to make and it's something that recurs every year so it's that recurring payment so you want to make sure you're getting value for money yeah definitely was there anything else you wanted to wrap us up with no i think uh, that's it it's just just do the research and and find a policy that suits you um or get someone else get someone to help you with it beautiful well appreciate your time and insight zach that was fantastic and i know there'll be a lot of people sort of getting some benefit out of that and hopefully we'll uh see you all guys here next week cheers